Quest for Cold. I'm Ryan Burrow. We are just about two months away from the opening ceremonies at the Summer Games in Tokyo. Simone Biles takes the mat for her first competition since 2019. The 2021 GK US Classic gets underway this weekend in Indianapolis. Biles looks to defend her 2019 title in the Classic. Meanwhile, Lori Hernandez will also be there. She has not competed since the 2016 Olympics in Rio. USA Baseball says a roster will be announced Sunday, days ahead of the start of an Olympic qualifying tournament. Manager Mike Sosha will lead his team in their first game Memorial Day in Florida against Nicaragua. USA Weightlifting has named its Olympic team. Four men, four women, all headed to Tokyo. Sarah Robles will be making her third Olympic appearance. She took bronze in Rio. The other seven members will be making their Olympic debuts. This week, we learned Lee Evans, an American track and field gold medalist, died at the age of 74. Evans set a world record in the 400 meter in the 1968 Olympic team trials, then shattered that mark weeks later at the Mexico City Olympics. That record of 43.86 seconds stood for 20 years. He also won gold in the 4x400. Evans was also a human rights activist and was part of the Olympic Project for Human Rights. In this week's Athlete Spotlight, we visit again with track and field triple jumper Tori Franklin. The Chicago native has been bumping around the world during the pandemic, preparing her body and mind for the upcoming games. Did I read correctly that you're writing a book right now? I am. Yes. What's it, what's it about? Give, give us a little preview. Okay. Um, so it's called the U Anthem and it's about mental health. Uh, it's pretty much just a guide of how to navigate negative thoughts and how to live a more truer, fulfilling life. And it also has like little antidotes um, about my life and my life experience. Happiness has been a, a big focus for you. I know on, on social media, you, I mean, you, your account is even on Instagram, Live Happy. Um, mm-hmm. ha- have you managed to remain happy throughout the pandemic? I mean, it's been a, a really serious time for a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes just waking up in the morning and, and realizing you got to put the mask on and you're not going to be able to see relatives. I mean, h- how have you been able to kind of navigate th- through the pandemic? Absolutely. Um, I won't say I stayed, quote unquote, happy the entire time. Um, I don't think of happiness as I don't focus it just on the pure emotion of joy. Um, It's kind of just like a mindset, a way of life in a sense. And so even when I do have moments where I'm not feeling the best, where I'm going through negative thoughts or depression, um, I don't stay in those moments. I appreciate those moments and I recognize them and I kind of just like let them go and experience, um, experience them and make my way back into a more happier mindset when it's ready to come. It's, it's not possible to gloss over or completely avoid anger, frustration, Mm -hmm. sorrow, you you have to acknowledge it and then is is that what moves you beyond it uh, quicker is that what you've learned yes um i think people get so caught up in their emotions thinking they identify with them like i am angry right now i am sad but when you see an emotion as something separate from yourself like i am experiencing anger i am experiencing sadness it kind of creates space between you and that emotion and you're able to look at it from a different point of view and it's able to pass on easier from that from that perspective have there been moments that i know you you did a, a, pl- a post on a medium um mm-hmm. where 
you you talked about you know not not making the 2012 Olympic team, not making the 2016 team. Um, I'm sure there are moments between now and and, and the games in Tokyo where you think this isn't going to happen for me. This is going to be another wasted, whatever. I mean, do those thoughts creep into your mind? Are you able to push them back or do you just accept, okay, right now I feel like I'm not good enough and this will pass. Or are you able to kind of overtake those thoughts and and that negativity that I'm sure creeps up inside your own brain? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The thoughts creep up, especially with a lot that's gone on with me this year, having to switch a coach because he didn't think I was going to make the D or he didn't think that I was going to do well there. And so of course those thoughts kind of, they hurt and they sink in a little bit. Um, But I think for me, I do see those thoughts. Something that me and my therapist have worked on is kind of naming those thoughts. Um, For example, if I feel like, Oh, I'm not going to make the team or I'm not going to do well, though. Those are, that would be named, um, fear or something. So it'd be like, I see you fear, but I know that it's not reality. That's not my reality. Um, so it is kind of another method of recognizing it and letting it just kind of sit over there where it is, but not internalizing it. What about the stuff you can't control? What about the discussion that these games are going to be canceled or, you know, the, the, Team USA is going to boycott or, you know, just just random other things that maybe aren't in your control that definitely would impact, you know, your journey moving. Right. Um, I guess I really don't think about those things too much or at least try not to. Um, And I do as an athlete, we get asked all the time, what do you think about the Tokyo Olympics and what they're saying? And I, I just kind of respond with. You know, like you said, it's not in my control, so I don't think and I don't worry about it because worrying about it does not solve a thing. I want to talk a little bit about um, I had been communicating with you. I know you were involved with uh, some demonstrations after George Floyd. You, you marched. And do you feel now a year later after the conviction, do you feel like good came out of what happened? Well, obviously, nobody wanted to see George Floyd die. But do you feel mm-hmm. like maybe the United States saw something or changed something. I think there was some good to come out of it um, because everybody was stuck in their houses. They couldn't distract themselves from, from it because they didn't have work or whatever. Uh, I think it put the movement on the forefront of everybody's screens. And so I think that did a really a po- had a positive impact in that sense um, because it's not, it wasn't something that people could just pretend like they don't see or it doesn't involve them or it doesn't affect their life because it does. It affects everybody's life in this country. And on top of that, I think more people decided to be active um, and trying with legislation and just making uh, different changes, even in the sports world within our USA track and field federation and the U S Olympic committee, there's been a lot of efforts to try to make protests and athletes voices heard. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who say you're an athlete, shoot a basketball or run or whatever, you know, that's what your job is. Your job is not to tell me how to feel about a certain, a certain mm-hmm. issue, but USOPC at least from what they're saying, and I don't know how you feel about it, it seems as, as though they've been intertwined in the George Floyd and the Derek Chauvin case, and mm-hmm. they have released statements. Uh, they seemingly, and even again today, are, are coming out in support of any athlete that wants to 
raise a fist, take a knee, um, do any kind of, of social disruption or demonstration. Um, do you think that's enough? Are you satisfied with that? I think I wouldn't say that it's enough. I mean, of course, there's always more that these federations can be doing um, to create a more balanced and equal playing field, um, not just in regards of race, but men and women and events and sports and things like that. Um, I think there's always more that they can do. Uh, I would say that they have made strides from where they were just two, three years ago. And so I think that is something to take into consideration when we see how, how far they've come. Now, the IOC, different story, right? They, they're, story. Saying, they're, they're saying that, you know, they've done surveys, and maybe you took one of the surveys. I don't know that, you know, over a majority of the athletes said, no, this is not a play. You know, if you're on the podium, we don't want to see any kind of political statement or anything like that. And, you know, yeah. I, well, what, what, do you, what do you think about, and I don't want to get you in trouble or anything like that, but, I mean, what do you think about that approach, um, I think it's a bit ridiculous. My biggest qualm with what they came out with is that they said that pe- athletes can't wear Black Lives Matter. They singled out Black Lives Matter as as um, a movement that is not allowed to protest during the Olympic Games, which I think is kind of crazy. So they're just saying that Black Americans aren't allowed to protest pretty much. Um, And that's not fair. Like if they wanted to come out and say nobody is allowed to protest or wear any type of emblem supporting their movement, you know, I mean, we'll talk about it. But the fact that they in, in their text said Black Lives Matter is not allowed is completely ridiculous to me. Do you think that American athletes, maybe you yourself, will maybe throw do that rule, rule, rule to the side and, and maybe do, do something? I plan to. I was going to learn how to do Black Lives Matter in, in um, sign language. I don't know how to do it, but I'll figure it out. Was it hard training during this time? When, when we, if we flash back to 2019, your focus is tunnel vision on the 2020 games, right, in Tokyo. Yeah. yeah. Now you've got the pandemic. You've got the civil unrest going on. And now you're also trying to train for the games. Does, are you able to, to juggle all three? I think it definitely does create some difficulties depending on the athlete situation. Um, some athletes who have a very um, closed environment, like maybe those who train in different camps or, for example, Chula Vista, or I don't know, I, don't, I have no idea, but... I think it it can affect their life differently, um, having all these other distractions. But if you're able to, I guess, kind of put those things aside, I guess it varies by athlete is what I'm really trying to say. You know, it's it's not the same for everybody. But for me, um, I think there have been moments where it's been difficult to kind of leave the outside world outside of the track. Um, but as an athlete, as a professional athlete, it's my, you know, my job to be able to focus on what I need to do so I can make that team and do well at the games. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. What, what, what do you need to do? Where are you at right now in the process of, of qualifying for Tokyo? Um, I already have the qualified mark. The, I believe it was the USOPC that said that athletes that qualified in 2020 carried over to the Olympics. So I'm good on the qualifying mark. Um, what, what does that mean? Are you official then? I'm not official until I place top three at the Olympic trials. Okay. Right now, there are three American women, I believe, that have the qualifying mark. So if us three 
get the first three places in the trials. We all go say if one of us didn't get top three, but we're still the only three that have the qualifying mark, we're going to go. So what does that do with you mentally now preparing? Obviously, you don't want to get hurt. (laughs) That's a big part of this, right? Leading up to it. But on the other hand, you want to perform well. And you, you know, if you're able to qualify, you want to go at your peak condition. So like mentally, what are you, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, oh, I need to pull back a little bit. I want to make sure that I stay healthy. Or is this full steam ahead to July? Um. So since I have the qualifying mark already, it kind of does take a little bit of pressure off because I don't need to rush to get into a certain shape to get that qualifying mark. Um, so it's for me, it's kind of been like just focus on my own pace, um, do my own work. This is this is my journey. Even if I see other people doing crazy stuff early in the season, like that has nothing to do with me. My goal is the Olympic finals. So that's where I'm planning to peak. Of course, I plan on doing well at the Olympic trials. So kind of doing like a first peak and then back up again. When, when you kind of set your goals, are you thinking about standing on the podium in Tokyo? Or are you thinking, what do I have to do tomorrow? What do I have to do this week? Like, or maybe a combination of the both. Does, does one drive the other maybe? Or Because I've talked to some athletes who are like, I can't even think about Tokyo. That would be completely overwhelming. Others who are like, yeah, I wake up every morning and I think about standing on that podium. Where, Where are you at? Uh, I think I would say it's a combination of the two. I think for a long time, my focus was Tokyo and podium. But then as I started to kind of think about the weeks in between, I started to break it down. And so I would have Tokyo on the bottom and then break down the weeks to where I am now and have weekly goals in between there that I would that I think would get me to where I want to be by Tokyo. All right. So tell me how the pandemic went for you. Where were you this whole time? Did you, because I know you were traveling to Europe, right? You were in Europe for yeah. quite a time. Did you, did you have to quarantine there? Like just bounce me around the world the last 18 months for you. <laughs> where, where have you been at? Gosh, it was crazy. Um, so France went in lockdown way before the U.S. And so Macron, the president, he was like, we're going on a lockdown for three weeks. And my coach was like, get out of here. Go somewhere where you can train. America doesn't care yet. I'm like, OK, I'm going home. So I left like the first three. I only quarantined for three days in France. And then I was gone. I was in California for the bulk of the time from March to June. Um, That time period was kind of crazy, up and down, um, training at the park, in the streets, um, lots of downtime. I I can imagine watching someone triple jump in the streets might be a little awkward. It's not like jogging or anything like that. So you probably got some interesting looks. I did at the park when people are like doing Frisbee with their kids or whatever. And I'm over here like (laughs) trying to jump, (laughs) but it was fun. Um, And then after June, I went to see my sister and then I went to, I went home and I had a month off in Chicago. And when I started training for the fall, I was in South Carolina at the university of Clemson, training for about six weeks before I got my visa and was able to go back to France. And then I was in France until March. Was, was finding a venue a challenge for you? I mean, you mentioned the, you know, training at a park, but, you know, we've talked to swimmers and, you know, finding a pool was very difficult. Finding a basketball court or volleyball court. I mean, was it difficult for you to find an actual venue to, to train properly? It 
actually ended up working out really well for me. I had um I have a friend in California who is a track coach at a small Catholic high school. And so he let me use the training facility there. Um, I think that that started in about May. So I was at the park from March to middle of May. And then I had a small facility. It was like a 150 track. So it wasn't a lot, but it was enough. Now you are a Nike sponsored athlete. Um, the dynamic dynamics of every sport are different as far as pay goes. I know in some sports you get paid to participate in certain events. You're, you're still sponsored. So that's good. How, how did that all work out during the pandemic? Cause I know a lot of money kind of went to the sidelines, obviously during the pandemic with the companies not knowing what they were going to do. Yeah. Um, my contract was ending at the end of 2020 anyways, when it was supposed to be like the end of the Olympics after the Olympics. Um, so all of that was fine, but then they didn't, we, I didn't get resigned immediately. So I had my indoor season, um, unattached. And so that process took a little longer than I was expecting, but before the indoor outdoor season, um, my agent managed to negotiate with them and get my contract back on. But yeah, things changed a lot. And I know that um, Nike, they cut a lot of their athletes going into this year. And it's been pretty tough for many people. All right. So what is what is next specifically for you? What do you have on your calendar coming up in the next couple of days, weeks? Next weekend, I'm going to the Chula Vista Phil Festival in Chula Vista at the Olympic Training Center. And that will that will most likely be my last meet before the Olympic trials. If I feel like I want to just get out there again, I might go to some small meet somewhere, although it might be hard to find since universities are pretty much finished. Um, but that's the thought process at the moment. Are you? Have you ever been to Tokyo before? No, I've never been to Tokyo. I'm so excited. Yeah. Are, are you feeling good from everything you're hearing about the, the safety of the athletes during the games and kind of the protocols that they're putting in place? Yeah, I feel like the rumors are coming from people that haven't really like been paying attention but the olympic committee the from the people in japan they're like we're doing this and i believe them they've spent too much money and lost a lot of money last year like if they don't do it i feel like they're gonna go crazy but (laughs) what what if what if the competitions that you've been a part of recently looked like i mean have you guys had to social distance quarantine Mm -hmm. yep um so we take a test before we get there a test once we get there at some places we get they took us to take another test a day of the competition. Um, everybody's supposed to be staying in their rooms and not being around people. Even out on the field, we're supposed to keep our mask on if we're not on the runway. They have our chairs, social distance. Um, it's very safe. Many, none of the meets I've been to yet have had spectators. Um, I've seen some others, you know, just on social media that have, but none of mine. So they've been pretty quiet. What do you think about that? Is that is that a challenge? Do you do you feed off the energy of the crowd or or is it fine by you that you don't that no one's shouting? It's kind of it depends on the day cuz some days if I'm feeling like a little lower then that energy definitely helps me. I am an energy jumper, but most times I can bring my own energy and it's fine. Um but of course it's always better when spectators are there. What do you think about no foreign fans? That kind of stinks that, you know, no Americans can can be able to be out there and, and cheer for you and, you know, see, you know, follow your progress from from Japan. 
Yeah, that really sucks. My whole family was planning to come and my mom already had tickets and was looking at hotels and stuff for when it was in 2020. So that's that's pretty pretty big bummer. I'm just hoping that they're going to allow athletes families to come to the trial so they can at least, you know, see that part of the process. So where can people follow you? How can they uh keep up to date with uh not only your move to to the uh, hopeful games or and your book and everything else you got going on? Um, so my Instagram is at live happy, L-I-V-E-H-A-P-P-I-I. I'm also a writer for Medium. So it's medium.com, toryfranklin.medium.com. Um, and I post all my stuff about my book will be on there eventually. Are you assigned or do you just kind of get inspiration to write these things? Um, mostly inspiration. Although I have a literary agent now, which makes me feel like big time writer. Um, and so I kind of discuss ideas with her as well. Are you, are you thinking about life after, after being an athlete? I mean, is this part of your thought process is I, this is the kind of industry I want to get into, whether it's writing books or getting into mental health. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Both. Um, I want to continue to write books and I want to go and study holistic medicine and kind of open up a clinic and kind of help some people. Thank you, Tori. Make sure to follow her on Instagram. Really inspiring stuff. Next week, we talk with Kat Osterman, the 38 year old softball star is looking to grab her third Olympic medal. I'm Ryan Burrow. We'll see you then on Quest for Gold.